You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. You know, Audie was saying that Matthew left everything, but I want you to know that Matthew brought one thing. He left the table. He left the tax collecting books. He left everything but one. What did he bring? Ask me what? You want to know? He brought this. He brought a pen. Ask me why? You know why I believe he brought a pen? I want you to know that in ancient Israel, 2,000 years ago, only 3% of the population knew how to use this. Only 3% knew how to write. 97% of the population, they didn't know how to read or write. Well, some of them probably knew how to write their name, but that's about it. He was a tax collector. He knew how to write. Guess what? The very thing that, that, that he used for evil, the very instrument he used for evil, God used for good to write a gospel that is now in our Bibles and that is blessing the world. And so I want to ask you, what is your pen? Can you look at somebody beside you and ask that person, what is your pen? What is the skill that you have? Maybe your creativity, maybe your ability to, to handle people, maybe your ability to make friends. I do not know. Maybe it's music, I, I, numbers. What is your pen? And maybe you were using it just for yourself. God's going to use you so that you can use it for the kingdom of God. That's what's going to happen to you. Four Gospels. That's what we're doing now. And a pop quiz. Can, I, can we have a pop quiz right now? Are you ready? Are you sure? What's the Gospel that was written only for men? You want to know? Only for men. Ready? The Gospel of Machu. What's the gospel for single people that are searching? The gospel of Luke. What's the gospel for those who have arrived? The gospel of John. You know, that, that joke came from another feast builder and I told him, you know, if people laugh, I won't mention your name. <laughs> it came from me. But if people don't laugh, oh, that, that guy, he gave it to me. And I just... <laughs> you know, today we're going to talk about Matthew. And Matthew, out of all the four Gospels, is the most Jewish-centric Gospel. I want you to think about this. That, no, when you open the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, there's, there's no verse there that says... And I want to talk to my Jewish buddies. No such thing. But all over the, the book of Matthew, you find it that he's really speaking to Jews. First of all, he's the one who has 96 references of the Old Testament. The other, the other Gospels refer to the Old Testament, but not as much. Ask me why? They didn't care. The audience were Gentiles and they didn't care about the Old Testament. But if you're a Jew, you would want to know the connection between Jesus and your former faith or your, 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 your faith of origin. Second, 
When Matthew would mention a feast, a Jewish feast, he will just say it. The other Gospels will have to explain what it is. Make sense? Because you're a Gentile, you wouldn't know. But Matthew was talking to Jews. He assumes that you already know. You grew up with it. Third, the genealogy in Matthew roots back Jesus all the way to Abraham and David. Old Testament figures. In the other Gospels, the genealogies, well, Luke was the only one who had another genealogy, but it roots back all the way to Adam. Jesus' lineage all the way to Adam. He was speaking to Gentiles. John did not have a genealogy. He, he started his gospel all the way back to Genesis 1. And then Mark didn't even have a genealogy. So why is it important that we identify the audience of Matthew? Ask me why. You see, I believe, I, I really believe this, that he speaks to us. Matthew can speak to us because the Jews and us who are Catholic. How many of you were born Catholic? Raise your hand. I want to know. Good. You know, you were born Catholic. You were born in church. You were taught from the very beginning to be religious, just like the Jews. And the same message that Matthew was speaking to the Jews, I bet applies to us. I don't know about you, but my mom was so super Catholic. Like the moment I left her womb, three seconds later, she was grabbing my hand to make the sign of the cross. You know, it's like, like when I was a kid, I was praying the rosary every night. You know, and she would, she would put the scapular around my neck. She would put the St. Benedict medal on the left. She would put the miraculous medal on the right of my shirt. She... she I, I was that. You know, there, there's, a, there's a Latin phrase for people like me. You know what? Ask me what? Latin phrase. Catolico, cerrado, decandado, me calawang pa. That's Latin, by the way. Just want you to know. I want you to know that I love the Catholic. I love being Catholic. To this day, you know, I, I pray to St. Joseph six, seven times a day. And I have in my spiritual board of advisors, St. Francis of Assisi and St. Ignatius of Loyola and Mama May. I mean, I love being Catholic. But if there's a temptation to Catholics like us who were born in the faith, it's this, spiritual pride. Because spiritual, because we kind of like say, oh, we know that. Yeah, yeah, we, we've been through there. We've grown, we, we, we studied in a Catholic school, sure. You know what? God wants to tell you right now the same message that Matthew was telling the Jews. God is doing something new. God is doing something new in your life. I want you to believe in that. He's knocking at your door and saying, sure, you've had this beautiful faith, but God is doing something wonderful. He wants to wake us up. I want you to say that with me. I'm waking up. And you know what, what, what Matthew is doing? He's giving two core messages to the, to, to the Jewish people. And the first one is this. Everybody say, I'm ready. His first message to the Jews, God isn't finished with you yet. Everybody say that with me. God isn't finished with you yet. That's his message. Imagine the audience of Matthew. You're a Jew. You were born a Jew. Your parents taught you to obey 613 laws. And since as a kid, you were obeying, trying to obey those laws. You would cross every T, dot every I. 
and you felt that God was giving you an A report card. You know, when it comes to your religious life, yeah, A. And then all of a sudden, you meet Jesus, and He tells you that the law is not enough, and He rocks your world, and you decide to follow Jesus. But then as you follow Jesus, you've got all these questions like, did following the law all my life, was that all useless? Was that all in vain? How, how should I follow the law while I'm following you, Jesus? All these questions. And Matthew was going to answer all those questions. And his first message is, God isn't finished with you yet. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he starts by saying, let's read together. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Judaism was based on two pillars, law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus will upgrade. The, everybody say upgrade. Five things he'll upgrade in chapter five. He'll upgrade the law against murder, against adultery, against divorce, against oaths, and against justice. To make you feel the, the, what, what I mean by upgrading the law, I'll, I'll get the first two examples. Murder. Matthew 5, verse 21 and 22. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Wow. Think about it. I've heard a lot of people say this. Brother Bo, mabait naman ako. Hindi ako pumapatay ng tao. Wow. I, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anyone. You know, the standard is so low. Single women, are you here? Can you, can you, can you raise your hand, single women? I hope your criteria for looking for a husband should be a little bit higher than that. Because there are, I feel, some women who say, you know, what's your criteria for, for, for your husband? Someone who hasn't killed anyone. <laughs> higher, please, higher, or else you'll be in trouble. Jesus upgraded this law and he said, Sure, you haven't killed anyone. But have you gotten angry at anyone and out of your anger you cursed someone? Guess what? That's just like murder. Blows your mind. Last night I was reading a letter from a wife telling me, asking me, Brother Bo, tell me what to do. I do not know what to do. My husband shouts at me and curses me. And my heart was breaking as I was reading that letter. No husband should do that. God has given every man the God-ordained role to protect that woman beside you. That's your role. Protect her. And then you curse her? That's, that's nuts. And Jesus said, that's murder. You don't kill people using your words. Upgrade number two, the law against adultery. 5, 27 and 28. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So once upon a time, Jesus said, it was against the law to be physically unfaithful to your spouse. Jesus said, I'm upgrading that. You need to be mentally faithful as well. I've been married for 20 years. One of the reasons why my marriage is strong is because I've, for the past 20 years, I've tried my very best to have only one sexual fantasy, my wife. And, you know, there, there are times when, when you know, you, I, I see something, I see a picture, I see a girl walking by wearing a, a, a miniskirt, so mini, looks like a big belt, you know, just... and. and <laughs> And when, when, when I see that, and there's a temptation to think sexually, guess what? I just talk to my mind and I say, home boy, home. And then I, I, I think of my wife. I think of my wife and I say, tonight's the night. You know? Yeah, I, and I'm telling you, I've been doing it for years. And it's amazing that the joy, the peace, the harmony and the, the you know, the, the idea that I, I, get, I get sexually turned on just by my wife. And it's, it's incredible. It's powerful. Um, it helps that my, my wife, like any ordinary woman, has different moods, right? So sometimes it's almost like she's, she's a different person that you're... If you didn't get that, never mind. I'll just want to move on, move on. I want you to know that, you know, years ago, I thought I was a generous person. But here's the thing that happens. If you keep on growing in the Lord, walking in God for years, 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 this is what happens. Your past courage zone becomes your present comfort zone. Meaning to say, meaning to say, God would stretch my generosity and he'd say, give more and, and give more. And, and when he says that to me, he said, oh boy, this is, this is, this is you. I haven't given this amount or this measure before. Woo, this is tough. And then I give it, you know. And what happens after a while, that courage zone becomes very comfortable for me. It's like, oh, it's now easy. And then he stretches me some more. So in the past five years, God has stretched my generosity a hundred times more. Friend, God is not finished with you yet. You think God is finished with you? No. He's gonna, he's gonna, his, he's gonna, his word for you is this. Don't plateau. Don't be stagnant. Keep on going farther. Keep on going deeper. Keep on going higher. I am doing something new in your life. You, you have not seen anything yet. Our problem is this. Ask me what? We look at our lives and we look at how messed up we are. We, we look at the mess in our lives and we say, where is God? I'm telling you where God is. He's in the mess. You know when God is working? You know, sometimes God is silent. Like, like God is not, not, not there. If God is silent, here's, here's the truth. He's working behind the scenes. He really is. When, 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 we, were, when we were fixing up the house uh, a few years ago, it was messy. Scaffolding, cement bags, wood, dusty. It was horrible to look at. But the reason why it was messed up was because we were fixing the house. God is fixing you. 
God is fixing you. God is doing something new in your life. And I encourage you, hold on and believe that better things are coming. That the best is yet to come. Here's number two. Here's number, the first message is God is not finished with you yet. Here's number two. Everybody say, I'm ready. God isn't finished with them yet. With the people in your life. He's still working in them. And you need to trust Him. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your mom, your dad. God is still working in them. And you need to believe in that and trust in God. In that. In fact, in fact. Here's the problem with, with, with when you, you grew up religious all your life. And, and you, you're, you have this circle of religious friends. You know what's the temptation? It's the I'm blessed, they're cursed mentality. It's the, you know, looking down at other people. That, that's the temptation. And Matthew was telling the Jews, uh-oh, God is embracing. Look, look around you. Imagine you're a Jewish person who came to know Jesus. That's the audience of Matthew. And then you attend Mass. You attend Mass. There's, there's a table, breaking of the bread. And when you attend the breaking of the bread, the, 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 the worship and the... And the the bread right beside you was a Gentile Christian, somebody who's not a Jew, and then you kind of like equal na kami. We're equal already. I followed 613 laws of Moses. This guy has not followed a single law. And look at him. Yes, tattoos. Look at him. He's wearing an earring. You know, I could put Audi here and that would be exactly the thing. Like Audi has a tattoo and Audi, the, the, the guy, you know, my, my co-preacher. He wears an earring, you know. Me, I've got miraculous medal, Saint Ben. I grew up like that. He, he just, he, but we're equal now. It's like, what? And Matthew is saying, yes, you're equal. I'm working in you, and I'm working in that other person. I'm not finished with you yet, and I'm not finished with them yet. And, and it, Matthew, Matthew 28, he ends the gospel by saying this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I'm not just here for the Jews. I'm here for everybody. You know, th that whole idea of, of like, looking down at other people and being centered on yourself, that's not, that's not just religious. That weakness is human. It's human. How many of you, how many of you were, were born as a, as a baby? <laughs> you were? Okay, you remember? You wearing a diaper and all that? Okay, how many of you, you, you have a baby at home? You have a baby at home? We have a baby in the backstage. We love playing with, with Audie's uh, little baby. You know, babies, no matter how cute they are, they're downright selfish. Think about it. They are so self-centered. Like, like, if they don't get what they want, they're going to throw a tantrum. Why? Because everything revolves around them. The mom, and the dad and the auntie, everyone revolves around them. I want you to know that we don't grow up too much. 
we're still like that baby somehow, sometimes. We are still... Can I give you an example? I gave this example during the concert a few, a few weeks ago. That my wife and I, we became tourists during our 20th anniversary and we were going around the city. Went, went, went to London and, and, and we were tourists. And so, you know, as tourists, you, we pray for what other tourists pray for every day. Lord, sana hindi umulan. Lord, let it not rain. Why? You know, we, our shoes will get muddy. And it's, it's so, how many of you don't like that? Opening a wet umbrella. You know, and then, and then closing it again and opening it again. You know, you, you ride the train and you, you're holding it. It's inconvenient. And so we pray that prayer every day. Until I realized one day, just a few miles away, were farmers who were praying for rain. And it hit me. Because after that it rained. And when it rained, yes, we got inconvenienced. But our suffering was someone else's blessing. And I, I, I want you to think about that. That I believe this, that much of our suffering comes from our selfishness. It really does. You know, we, we're thinking of our little inconvenience and our little comfort and what we really, you know, we're not thinking it's bigger. You know what we need? Ask me what? We need a Copernican revolution. We, Nicholas Copernicus, 1514. Before that year, everyone believed that the earth was the center of the solar system, that the sun revolved around the earth. 1514, Copernicus said, Sorry to pop your bubble, guys, but we're not as important as we think we are. Planet Earth, it revolves around the sun. We need that in our spiritual life. We need a Copernican revolution where life stops revolving around our needs and our concerns and our problems and our pet peeves. We need to decide right now, God is the center. And that we revolve around Him, around His mission, around what He wants, around the, the purpose that He has for your life. You know, when, 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 you, when that happens, four things happen. When you have a Copernican revolution in your life, four things happen. Number one, your world becomes bigger. Everybody say that. When you live selfishly, your small world becomes even smaller. You are trapped thinking only of your feelings and thinking only of your, of, of, of your trials and thinking only of your struggles. Thinking, it's there. You're, you're, you're there. And it's a small, small world. Number two. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When, but, but when you make that spiritual Copernican revolution and you start embracing other people, and loving people and sacrificing your life for others, your world gets bigger and bigger and more beautiful. Number two, number two, if you make that spiritual Copernican revolution, your gratitude gets bigger. Everybody say that. 
I want you to know that thousands of people write me and they tell me their problems and I give them advice and 80% of the time I mean, the, the problems are crazy. They, they tell me, you know, I'm sad, I'm depressed, or I'm angry, or, or I'm afraid, or I'm anxious. All sorts of problems come to me. And I noticed that 80% of my advice, 80%, I'm not kidding you, 80% is nurture an attitude of gratitude. I say that again and again and again. I want to just copy-paste, you know. Because it's the same thing. You're afraid? Nurture an attitude of gratitude. You're angry? Nurture an attitude of... I'll tell you why. Gratitude is so potent. It's the immune system of the soul. The moment your gratitude is gone, guess what? Temptations will come. You're going to fall. You're, you're going to fall. I'm telling you, you cannot be grateful and afraid at the same time. You try. You cannot be grateful and afraid at the same time. You cannot be grateful and anxious at the same time. You cannot be grateful and angry at the same time. You try that when you go home. You get into your gratitude. You start thanking God for every blessing that, that's in your life. It is so powerful. It pushes away all negativity. When you experience a Copernican revolution, you start revolving around God instead of yourself. This is what happens. Once upon a time, you used to thank God only when you get blessed. But then you start embracing other people, and this is what happens. You start thanking God for the blessings that people around you are receiving. And you have no scarcity mentality. You're not saying, Bakit sila nabibless ako hindi? No, no, no. You're, you're saying, Wow, they're being blessed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You share in their joy. Your gratitude is multiplied. And guess what? When you are more grateful, the blessings of God will flow into your life like crazy. This is what's going to happen. You're going to attract more of the blessings of God. You know, when, when, when someone else gets blessed, I say, wow, thank you, Father. Because at the back of my mind, I was saying, yes, I'm next. You know, it's just, this is abundance. This is, this is God blessing. And, and I know the blessings will continue. Number three, if you experience a Copernican revolution in your spiritual life, your dreams get bigger. You, you, you stop dreaming just for yourself. You're dreaming for other people. You, 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 want the, you, know, you know when I pray, here's what I noticed in the past few years. When I pray, my first inclination is no longer to pray for myself. I'm already blessed. The first thing I do is I pray for other people. I want them to be blessed. Lord God, don't just bless me. Bless the world through me. That's, that's what God wants. Number one, your world gets bigger. Number two, your gratitude gets bigger. Number three, your dreams get bigger. But not everything gets bigger. One thing gets smaller. You want to know? Number four, your suffering gets smaller. I'll tell you why. Ask me why. The less you think of yourself, the less you think of your suffering. You know what happened in my life? I'll give you that example just, just there. When, when the rain came and, and we got inconvenience with the umbrella, it didn't bother me anymore because I know the rain is blessing some people. Did you get that? 
suffering doesn't register in your radar anymore. It, it doesn't matter because you're thinking of how other people are being blessed. And it's a whole new world. Can I invite you to stand up? Can I invite you to make a shift? Can I invite you to make a Copernican revolution in your spiritual life? To stop making everything about you and to start thinking of others and finding ways how you can die to yourself so that you can give life to other people. The moment you do that, You will know true joy. You will know what it means to be really, really, really happy. I'm gonna I'm gonna be praying for you and we can just do that right now. Can you just pray with me? Lift up your hands and just say, Father in heaven, I thank you that you are here and you are speaking to me. And I want to make this decision by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me experience a Copernican revolution where I stop centering on me, on my needs, and on my dreams. Instead, I want to center on you, on your mission and your purpose for my life. Thank you. You are doing something new in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.